Father, thank you, God, for this time of worship. Lord, now as we go into the time we open up your word and we see what you have to say to us, God, I pray that you'd speak truth to us. Speak what is true, Lord. Speak what is true to our hearts and to our souls, to our minds. God, may we take this word and hide it in our hearts so we would not sin against you. Lord, thank you so much, God, for this precious word that you've given us. God, as it relates to relationships, as it relates to uh, just how we go about our daily lives. God, I pray that we just apply this word to every single thing that we endure in our life. God, every single trial and, and difficulty that we face. God, every single time of joy and, and every single time that we can just sing praises to you. I pray that we would just remember your word in every single one of those instances. So, Lord, right now, just be glorified as we look at your word and what you have to say to us. God, I pray that this, uh, this word would change our relationships as they are now, God, and as they will be. God, all for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. So we're still in the series called Yoked, and uh, we talked about what yoked meant. We talked about the fact that being yoked together is like, uh, it's a great analogy, right? So you got two oxen, so everybody wants to think of themselves as an oxen. I know that I do. Uh, at least I would have some chest muscles then. So, But anyway, so... <laughs> Why did nobody laugh at that? But anyway, it's okay. Uh, so as, as an oxen, you've got two of them. they got the big thing around their neck, you know, and you're, they're yoked together. And as you're in relationships, um, the Bible says that, that we are yoked together. So that we're, we're going in the same direction, got to go at the same pace so, so that we can accomplish the same goal, right? So that's what two oxen do as they're yoked together and they're pulling a plow or something like that. They're yoked together. They're in the same boat doing the same thing for the same purpose, right? So that's the way it's supposed to be when you're in a relationship. Well, one thing that we often wonder about sometimes when it comes to relationships, we, we kind of wonder, well, where does God fit in that, right? So, so this man and woman, they got a relationship, and then each of them have a relationship with God. And, and, and so where does God fit between the man and the woman, and how does that work itself out, right? So, I mean, you kind of ask that question a little bit. Not so much when you get older, like you kind of figured that out a little bit, but as you're younger and you're trying to figure stuff out, you're like, well, where does God fit in this whole relationship thing? How, how does he play into the whole picture? Because I really need to know that. If I'm going to be a Christian and a follower of Jesus, and I'm going to have relationships with a guy or a girl or whatever, you know, and like if, if I'm going to be in a relationship, then I need to know how God fits in that relationship. How does he part of the picture? So we're going to look at an example in the Bible of, of, of two folks that you've heard of before. Um, you've probably not heard of them by this particular name, but you've heard of them uh, by another name. We'll talk about that in a second. Uh, but does anybody remember, we've already talked about one couple in the Bible and how things worked out for them. Does anybody remember who that was? Adam, Eve, you remember those two? You remember that couple? It's a pretty famous couple in the Bible, as a matter of fact. You remember that? Yeah, everybody's like, oh, yeah, duh, that was such an obvious question. You know, we just whoop, went right over that one. Yeah, Adam and Eve, we talked about them. Remember that? That's like... Three weeks ago. It's no wonder you didn't remember. It's okay. Like, I, I get it, you know. So Adam and Eve is one of the, the couples that we talked about. So we're going to talk about another couple out of Genesis tonight. We're going to talk about Abram and Sarai. And we're going to talk about their situation and how God fitted, fit, in their, fitted, fit in their relationship and, and how uh, they, they kind of struggled with some of the same stuff that Adam and Eve struggled with, right? Uh, they kind of had some of the same struggles. We'll talk about that tonight. Um, you remember how it kind of worked out for Adam and Eve? It didn't work out so well, right? So it wasn't like a happy ending to that story necessarily. 
uh, sin came into the world. They were banished from the garden and like, you know, they had the perfect life and all that kind of stuff. But, but Eve thought, well, you know what? God's holding out on me, so I'll go and I'll, I'll, I'll taste the fruit, you know, and, I, and, and, and I'll be able to, to see all the things that God sees. I'll be able to have the knowledge that God has. And it didn't work out so well, you know. It means that women have to endure labor and that men have to work out in the fields and there's going to be weeds everywhere. They try to grow fruit and, like, it's just, it turned out to be really bad. So that's the reason we endure death, hell, suffering, all that. We endure that because of sin as it entered into the world. So that's... Uh, not a good picture, right? So it didn't work out so well for them. So we're going to look at another couple and see some of the struggles that they have. And, and to be honest with you, these are same, some of the same struggles. I don't care if it's in Genesis. You still see some of the, the same struggles in, in relationships today, whether it's a husband and a wife or, or maybe a teenage relationship or something like that, trying to figure out how God fits in this whole picture, right? So here we are. We're in Genesis chapter 16. I have to catch you up just a little bit. And tell you that God has made a promise to this guy named Abram. And he says that in, in chapter 15, actually this is what he says. He says, then the Lord took Abram outside and said to him, look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. So this is what he says. He says, you're going to have kids and your kids are going to have kids. And your kids' kids are going to have kids. And your kids' 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 kids are going to have kids. And you're going to have a lot of kids. and going to be your descendants. And they're going to be as numerous as the stars in the sky. He says, count the stars. You count them like, you ever try to do that? That's a waste of time, right? So he tells Abram, that's how many descendants you're going to have. You're going to have a ton of descendants that you're going to like, they're going to cover up the earth, right? And Abram's like, okay, that's cool. Because that was a big deal back then. So in, in, in the terms of the Jews, their big deal was they wanted to have a lot of descendants so they could pass down their name, their culture, their religion. They wanted to pass all that down. And the easiest way to do that is to have a bunch of kids, right? Like they used to, everybody's like, yeah, that is a, that's an easy way to do it, right? So if you have a bunch of kids and your kids have a bunch of kids, then before you know it, you got this real big family and they're able to do all the stuff that, that the original dad said, this is what we should do, Right? Yeah, back in what we call the olden days now, you know, we said, well, people had a lot of kids so that they could all work the fields and stuff like that. Like, you had a ton of kids, you had a lot of workers, right? Nowadays, that wouldn't work out, would it? Because you'd have a lot of kids, and there would be a lot of people watching TV, right, or on Facebook. And I don't know, it necessarily work out the same way today, but back in the olden days, that's what they did. They had a lot of kids so they could have a lot of workers and a lot of kids in the fields doing whatever, you know, harvesting corn or picking okra or whatever they did, like back in those days, right? So here, the Jewish tradition was you had a lot of kids so you could have a lot of descendants so you could pass down your tradition, your culture, your religion to those kids. So here, God has promised to Abraham, he says, you're going to have a bunch of kids and uh, you're going to have descendants as numerous as the stars. So in chapter 16, we read this. It says, now Sarah, Abram's wife, had not been able to bear a child for him. So... What's going on here? Well, initially God said, you're going to have a bunch of kids. And now we find out that Sarai, his wife, can't have kids. So they're posed with a dilemma. You know, they're like, well, what do we do? Well, God said we're going to have a bunch of kids. And Sarai's going, well, I can't have kids. How's this going to work itself out? What are they doing here? They're trying to figure out how God fits in the picture of this plan and their plan for them together and their descendants and their kids, how does God work into that? Trying to figure this out. Well, Sarai gets an idea. Probably not the best idea in the world, but she's got an idea. So she comes up with this idea. She says, so Sarai said to Abram, the Lord has prevented me from having children. Go and sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can have children through her. 
Oh, well, that sounds like a good idea, right? <clears throat> and, and, and Abram said, it is not good for me to do this, and, and I, I don't think that we should go down that road, and let's not, let's not venture down that path because the Lord has made a promise, and he's going to keep his promise even though uh, it doesn't look like he's going to. No, that's not what it says. What it says is... <clears throat> I lost my place. That's what I get from reading from there instead of from here. And Abram agreed with Sarah's proposal. <laughs> so it doesn't say, and Abram hesitated and thought about it for a minute. It doesn't say that Abram was, was pausing in deep contemplation about whether or not he should do this or not. It says, Abram said yes. Uh, Sarah said, you should go and sleep with my servant. Abram said, yes. He didn't take a lot of time to think about it, apparently. He agreed with Sarah's proposal. Go on, Connie. So Sarah, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian servant, and gave her to Abram as a wife. This happens to be 10 years after Abram had settled in the land of Canaan. Uh, so Abram had sexual relations with Hagar. I know everybody's like, we have to talk about sex again? Yes, it's in there. I'm sorry. Everybody's like, it was really awkward in small groups, the first 10 minutes in small groups last week. Do we really have to say the word sex again? Yes, we do. It's in the Bible. Go look it up. It's all over the place in there. So anyway, so Abram had sexual relations with Hagar, and she became pregnant. But when Hagar knew she was pregnant, she began to treat uh, her mistress, Sarai, with contempt. So what's happening here? We got a cat fight going on already, right? So um, this is what's happening. Uh, Sarah says, I got an idea. You go and you, you be with my servant girl over here, and, and she's going to have you a kid. So, so what has happened? What has happened is as God has made this promise to Abram, they're like, you know what? It's, it's not working out so well. So what we're going to do is we're going to take things into our own hands. So we're going to make something happen we're gonna we're gonna take the responsibility into our hands never mind what God said but we're gonna do it our way and and what's gonna happen is we're gonna take care of the situation we're gonna do it for God we're gonna we're gonna take care of the situation for God now this happens all the time doesn't it so you see in relationships all the time you say that you know the man and the woman they, they love God they want to pursue God they want God's plan for them and, and God will give you a direction in your life many times. And maybe he'll give you a, a, a great plan or a great vision for where he wants you to be, what he wants you to do. And, you know, maybe you have a path that you're on, right? The problem is not all the time does God give you like, this is how it's going to happen. This is the timing it's going to happen. This is the way it's going to work itself out. All he may do is give you like, this is the end goal. This is where you're going to be. And he doesn't give us all the information, the background information that we desire. We're like, well, God, if you're going to do that, if, if I'm going to have a, a great family and we're going to be missionaries one day, or you know what, <clears throat> I, need to, I need to take care of that. I need to make it happen, you know? And what do we do? We take stuff into our own hands. This is the same thing that happened in the garden, right? The same thing happened with Eve. She says, well, I'm just going to take it on myself. I, I'm going I'm to deal with this situation myself. Never mind what God said. I'm going to do things my own way. The Satan had confused her. The serpent had confused her. And now she was like trying to figure stuff out. And she said, well, I'm just going to do things my way. And, and, and what happens? It doesn't work out so well. Same thing happened with Sarah and Abraham, Abram. She said, we're going to do it our way. Never mind what God said. Never mind the fact that God said it was going to happen this way. I'm just going to do it my way. It doesn't work out so well. Initially, what do we see 
immediately Hagar, she began to treat Sarah with contempt, it says. I mean, she was catty. You know what I mean? Like she was, she was making you know, rude comments to her and she was not happy about the fact. So what has happened? Jealousy has set in. So the first thing you see as a result of, of them taking things into their own hands is just jealousy has set in. And it's not going so well. What, what about you and your life and your relationships? Do you, think, do you think maybe the point here is that we should wait on God and let God work things out in our life? Sometimes we get over-anxious or, or we overzealous maybe about uh, about who that person, that, that person's going to be in our life. And God says, well, there's going to be somebody in your life and, and you're going to be married and have kids and you have this vision for what you want things to be. But the guy or the girl may not exactly be godly. They may not be somebody that loves God and wants to pursue God. If, if you are in one, headed in one direction, that's toward the things of God, and you take things into your own hands and you say, you know what, God, I want to have a family one day. I, I want to do this. I want to do that. And I want to have great kids and a great husband and all that. And you, instead of waiting on God, instead of saying, God, whatever you have in store, I'm going to be patient and I'm just going to do what you want me to do. I'm going to take things into my own hands. It's a very dangerous situation, right? It's a very dangerous situation. And here we see how dangerous it is. It's already started out bad from the very get-go. Sarah's taking things into her own hands, and it's not working out so well. Man, I see this all the time. So, so guys are dumb, right? Like, we all know that, right? Problem is, is that girls don't necessarily recognize that guys are dumb when girls are young, but later on they figure that out, okay? I see so many girls rushing into relationships with guys that aren't Christian, that aren't followers of Jesus they have no concept. I'm not talking about like somebody's got to be a preacher and they got to be called to ministry or called to worship ministry or any of that kind of stuff. I'm talking about somebody that just is consistent in, in, in following Jesus in some way, like they come to church pretty consistently. And you see girls all the time will, will just say, you know what, I, I know God's got a great plan for me, but I'm going to go get this guy and I'm going to rescue him. I'm going to bring him to Jesus. I'm going to be the one that makes him have a relationship with Jesus. I'm going to be the one that is his connection to God. Right? Yeah. That works, don't it? Yeah. Almost never. Almost never. I won't say never because I, I don't never say never, but I will say almost never. Can I tell you how many times I have seen girls that have a relationship with Jesus go and they're with a guy that has no relationship with Jesus and they walk away and before long their relationship with Jesus suffers. Do you know how often that happens? Almost all the time. Almost all the time. I hate to keep using that analogy about girls being close to Jesus and then, and then guys, a lot of them are not close to Jesus. But if you look around in this room right now, you will see that there are a majority of young women and not young men in this room. That, why is that? Why is that? Because men are not stepping up and doing their job. I'm, I'm going to make some mamas mad. I made some mamas mad when I was at this particular place not long ago. Mamas have young boys. Mamas want to baby their young boys. A lot of times. I'm not saying all the time, 
Mary, you're a good example of how this doesn't necessarily apply. So I'm looking at you, I'm like, this doesn't really apply there. But anyway, so mamas want to baby their boys, and they don't teach them how to be men. They don't teach them to have personal responsibility. They don't teach them to grow up and be men. And because they've been babied all the time, what happens is they're not tough enough to be able to stand up and lead like they're supposed to. They're not able to stand up and be the men they're supposed to be, the men that God has called them to be, the men that are supposed to be the leaders in the household. God has set it up so that the man is the leader, the spiritual leader of the household. That is the way he set it up. And what happened with Eve? She took the lead. She took the lead and said, here's what we're going to do. And what did Adam do? He followed right behind her. said, yeah, I'm in. What happened here? Sarah said, I got an idea. What did Abram say? Yeah, I'm in. It's backwards. It's backwards. We got to teach young men to be men. We really do. Uh, Mamas, I know you love your little boys. I know they're sweethearts, and you just want to kiss them and love them and hug them and squeeze them and all that stuff. I got it, okay? But at some point, you got to teach them personal responsibility so they can grow up to be men. You got to stick them out there on their own and let them fail. Let them fail sometimes so they can see how bad it hurts to fail so they won't want to do that anymore. Did I make anybody mad? Probably so. It's okay. It's all right. I've made people mad before. All right, going on, Connie. And Sarah said to Abram, this is all your fault. It is. It's all his fault, right? Yeah, I agree with her here. Well, it's his fault for following her. It's his fault for not being a man and stepping up and saying, you know what, God's got a plan. We're going to follow God's plan and not our plan. It is his fault. I put my servant into your arms, but now that she's pregnant, she treats me with contempt. The Lord will show who's wrong, you or me. Abram replied, look, she is your servant, so you deal with her as you see fit. Then Sarah treated Hagar uh, so harshly that she finally ran away. So here... Uh, Abram has stepped up to be a man again, hasn't he? Sorry. Oh, look, there's something inside of me that drives me crazy about men not being men. There's something inside of me that just wants to punch something because men are such cowards these days. Uh, one thing that, that I am absolutely adamant about is that if there is a disciplinary issue that has to be handled in the church, that I am going to be the one, the first one that addresses that. As the spiritual leader of this church, as the spiritual leader of my family, I am going to be the one that goes and and, and deals with a situation. I am not going to delegate that to somebody else. And I can tell you that 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 has come up before, and I'm like, no, I'm the one that's going to deal with it. It's my responsibility to deal with it. We need a whole heck of a lot more men that are willing to step up and say, this is not right. I'm going to address it. I'm going to deal with it because that's what God's called me to be. Everybody's like, yeah, I need that guy, right? All the girls are like, yeah, where am I going to find him at? Look for somebody that's looking for Jesus. They may not, they may not be in, in this deep spiritual connection with Jesus, but look for somebody who's at least searching him out, trying to seek his face. Now here, Abram, what does he do? He says, yeah, well, she's your servant. You go deal with her. Not taking any responsibility, not saying, not saying anything like, I'll go deal with it, I'll handle this situation. She says, she's your servant, you go deal with her. Now, <laughs> I have to tell you, 
This is a man who is known throughout Scripture as a man who loved God, was counted righteous through his faith. And we'll see that as you go back to your small groups. I've pointed out Scripture after Scripture where it's pointed that he was counted righteous by his faith. He had faith in God. He was a man who, who had God in his life. But here we see him taking a back seat over and over and over again, and it leads to disaster. So where is God supposed to fit in our relationships? It's supposed to be, he's supposed to be number one, and then we need men that will step up to say, this is how we're going to follow God. And if it isn't set up that way, it's not going to work well. If it's set up so that the girl is trying to lead the guy and trying to show him how to get to God, it's going to be all backwards, and it's not going to work well. That's exactly the picture we see here. And what happens? They get in a cat fight. And Abram says, I got nothing to do with it. You go send her away. Finally, she runs away. Look what happens. I want you to understand the faithfulness of God here. The angel of the Lord found Hagar beside a spring of water in the wilderness and along the road to Shur. The angel said to her, Hagar, Sarah's servant, where have you come from and where are you going? What did I say? What did I say before? What is a question that comes from God? Does God not know where she came from? Does God not know where she's going? It is an invitation. Anytime God asks a question, it is an invitation. Every time we see a question in the Bible, I'm going to tell you it's an invitation. Here is the invitation for her to repent and come back to God. Okay? The angel of the Lord appears to her and he says, you're in this plan. You may not see it, but you, even though they have gone outside of my plan, you are in this plan, Hagar. You, you are part of this whole thing. God was trying to remain faithful. God was remaining faithful in his commitment and what he said to Abram. Because Hagar was going to have a descendant of Abram, right? Let's, let's, look, let's look what he says. He says, the Lord said, return to her, return to your mistress and submit to her authority. Then he added, I will give you more descendants than you can count. And the angel also said, you are now pregnant and will give birth to a son. You are to name him Ishmael, which means God hears. For the Lord has heard your cry in distress. This son of yours will be a wild man, as untamed as a wild donkey. He will raise his fist against everyone and he will... And everyone will be against him. Yes, he will live in open hostility against all his relatives. Thereafter, Hagar used another name to refer to the Lord who had spoken to her. She said, you are the God who sees me. She also said, have I truly seen the one who sees me? So that, so, so that well was named Beer La Sheroy, which means well of the living one who sees me. It can still be found between Kadesh and Barad. So Hagar gave Abram a son, and Abram named him Ishmael. Abraham was 86 years old when Ishmael was born. The cornerstone of the Muslim faith, the cornerstone of Islam, is this thing called the Kaaba. And the Kaaba is in Mecca, it's, it's in Saudi Arabia. And in all the, the Muslims, the, the, they they point towards the Kaaba, right? When they pray, they kind of they, they point towards the Kaaba, which is in Mecca. That's why they're always praying in one direction. You see them all praying in a certain direction. That's the reason. They're praying towards the Kaaba, which is this most holy place that was erected. What is at the Kaaba? Right outside the Kaaba 
is the burial place, they say, of uh, Hagar and Ishmael. Hagar and Ishmael. So this is the cornerstone, if you will, of the Muslim faith. When he says he's going to be like an untamed man, when he's going to be wild as a donkey, when he's, he says that everyone is going to fight against him and he's going to fight against his own family and descendants, what's he talking about? You ever seen uh, uh, Islam and, and Christianity battling against one another? You ever seen uh, Muslims and Christians at each other's throats in a lot of ways or, or Muslims trying to kill Christians? It all points back to this. It all points back to this particular situation where what happened? God honored his commitment, didn't he? God said, this is what's going to happen, Abram. And Abram took things into his own hands with the help of his wife, Sarai. And what happens? Now we have the entire nation of Islam, and they're all against Christians. They're all against the descendants of Abram and, and his other son, Isaac, which we'll talk about later. But they're all in opposition to Isaac and all of his descendants and what do we have? What do we have today? We have the Middle East is always in unrest. There's always war. There's always strife. There's always people trying to kill each other. Constantly this struggle going on between Islam and Christianity. Constantly. As a result of what? As a result of what? As a result of this couple taking things into their own hands and saying, I'm done with waiting on God. I'm done with the fact that he has a plan and he's going to see it to to, to, to the end, but I'm done with waiting on that. I'm going to take things into my own hands. Let, let me encourage you, young men, young women, don't do that, right? Like, this is simple, church. I'm going to tell you, don't do that. What I'm going to tell you to do is be patient, seek God, seek his face, seek the things of God, wait on his timing, and stop trying to put things in your own hands because it can have disastrous consequences, not just for you, before your kids and your kids' kids and your kids' kids' kids, it can have disastrous consequences for descendants after descendants after descendants because of your bad decisions. You're trying to take things into your own hands. That's kind of the message of Abram and Sarah. Now, we'll see later on that, that God keeps his, his promise uh, to Abram, and they, they do have this other child, Isaac. And we'll talk about how God uses Isaac to go on. And, and, and it's just like Jesus ends up being the, the future descendant of Isaac. What's happening here? What's happening here? Number one, we recognize that God is faithful. When God says he's going to do something, he does it. Number two, we see this. is that Abram and Sarai did not put their trust and faith in God in such a way so that they said that, you know what? I have total trust and total faith in God's plan that I'm not going to do things my way. That's the kind of the two key cornerstones of this whole story. So you and your life, are you taking things into your own hands? Especially when it comes to girlfriend-boyfriend relationships. Are you relying on God for those things or are you just taking them into your hands? That's the question for you. And what about for other people, adults that may be in the room? What have you taken away from this story? Even as Christian couples go into struggles that they have, uh, maybe it's financial struggles, maybe it's struggles with, with children or, 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 or something else, maybe it's something to do with work and, and they're trying to take things into their own hands as opposed to waiting on God and waiting on his plan, let me encourage you to do this. Be slow. Be slow. When I, I give 
new couples, couples that are, that are they're wanting to get married, when I give them advice, one of the things I tell them is be very slow in making these big life-changing decisions. You don't have to rush into them. The tendency of most young adults is to rush into this decision and rush into that decision and rush into that decision. And rarely, rarely do you hear about couples that say, you know what? We prayed about this for six months before we ever made this decision. You almost never hear that out of a young couple, a young married couple. Let me encourage you. Pray, seek God's face, and be very slow to make moves. Because you, young adults, you can talk to some of the older adults in here, and they will tell you time and time again how they were too quick to make decisions and they took things into their own hands and how devastating the consequences were as a result. Let me pray. Father, thank you so much, Lord, for uh, the story of Abram and Sarai. God, I know that uh, there are people in here God, maybe they've made mistakes. God, maybe they, they've taken things into their own hands before, and God, they see the consequences of that, and it breaks their heart. Well, God, I pray for healing for them. You, God, you, you, are, you are just, and you are righteous, but you are also merciful. God, and even though we have made mistakes and we have fallen short, and God, we have sinned against you, God, you are a forgiving God and a loving God. Lord, I pray that, that we use those things in our life where we've made mistakes to impress upon these young people in this room God, just the plan that you have for them, if they would trust in you and rely on you and not rely on themselves, God, you have great things in store for them. But God, how devastating the consequences are when they take things into their own hands and they rush and make moves too quickly. God, I pray for the young man or young woman that's in this room. God, and maybe they've got a boyfriend or a girlfriend who, who doesn't love Jesus. They, they, they don't have any relationship with God whatsoever. They have no desire to have a relationship with God. I pray that they would go home God, and they would break off that relationship today. I know that sounds harsh. I know that sounds difficult, God, but that is, that is the only way. If we seek you and we seek your face, and one day that, 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 that boyfriend or girlfriend comes to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, then maybe we can look at restoring that relationship. But right now, if they don't have a relationship with Jesus, we should not be unequally yoked with them, and we should just cut them loose and say, no more, God, because you are more important than any boyfriend or girlfriend I will ever have. I know that's very difficult, and I know there are a lot of people that don't like to hear that. God, but I believe that's the truth of your word, and I believe that is the truth that you're pouring into us right now. So God, let us seek deep into our hearts. God, let us take you seriously. Let us not just bypass what you say, but God, let's, let's let it make a, a, an imprint on our hearts, God, so that we can make decisions in our life that glorify the name of Jesus. God, I pray for restoration for those that, God, they may be hurting right now. God, maybe it said something that just drew something out. And God, maybe it just broke their heart. Well, God, I believe that you're the only one that can mend that back together. So God, do that. Do that. Show us your love. Show us your grace. Show us your mercy. But God, show us your truth. God, thank you so much, Lord, for this word. And God, how you've touched our hearts tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Would everyone please stand?